Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. And so today we're going to conclude a series that started in March, and uh, then the world kind of changed a bit, so we just resumed it last week. It's called Jesus and Judas, and in this series, we've been talking all about betrayal, all about how to keep the right heart when you've been wronged, and just a super fast recap, because I I really want to get into this final thought today, Uh, but if you haven't seen the previous teachings, you can check out the City of Life Church podcast, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. But we've been talking about the notion that Jesus and Judas had a great friendship. They spent so much time together. Judas was trusted amongst the disciples. These guys were on a a three-year road trip together. And Judas was the one who held the money. That shows you how trusted he was. They had friendship. And we forget that because in hindsight, he looks like such a villain. But his betrayal was shocking to everyone who witnessed it. And betrayal is a powerful force that dictates many of our lives. Some people are still living in the pain of a betrayal that may have been decades ago. And we've been digging into this series about how betrayal can make or break us. It's a matter of having a heavenly perspective. That if you've been stabbed in the back, let it push you forward. Let it be something that drives you to your purpose. And then last week we spent a lot of time talking about suffering. Everyone's favorite topic, right? (laughs) That suffering is an inevitable part of life. And that Jesus and Judas, the moment that Judas kissed Jesus' cheek in the garden, they were both hurled down a path of suffering, Jesus and Judas. But the difference between the two is that Jesus suffered in the right direction. He suffered toward his purpose. Judas suffered away. You and I will face suffering in life. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone anymore. (laughs) It's an inevitable part of life but we can suffer in the right direction, pulling us closer toward our purpose instead of being the reason we pull back from it based on our perspective. So that's kind of the groundwork for where we start today. And of all three of the teachings, this is the one I'm most excited about. This is actually the whole reason this series was born, where we're getting to today. So it's like the the, the bow on the package, the cherry on top. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to today because today we're gonna conclude this series by looking at how to move beyond the hurt. How can I trust after treachery? How can I believe the best after betrayal? How do I move forward after the pain? So turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. To frame this for a bit, we've spent this whole series talking about Jesus and Judas and their relationship, but now they're both gone. Judas ended his own life. Jesus was killed, buried, and resurrected. And just before this, the disciples watch him ascend to heaven. Cool, love you, Jesus, bye. And now they're looking around at each other like, what do we do? They go into a room and they start to pray. They start to scratch their heads and they start to think and wonder. And then Peter stands up and he says this, Acts 1, 26, or Acts 1, 21. He says, so, Now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time that we were traveling with Lord Jesus. 
From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever's chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. They all prayed, oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you've chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in the ministry for he's deserted us and gone where he belongs. So then they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. They found a replacement for Judas. So to close it out, the title of this series, Jesus and Judas, keeping the right heart when you've been wronged. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the purpose that is here today. And as we get into your word, whether someone's watching at home or here in the room, I'm asking God that you would bring revelation to us. This whole series has been leading up to this moment. And I pray there'd be freedom, that there would be breakthrough and that you would do something supernatural today. In Jesus name, amen. So this series is all about negative experiences and that's something pretty common to life. And I was reflecting on some of my most negative experiences in some uh, least impactful ways. You know, like there's always some mildly negative things in life that happen like, you know, you plan to have a big event and then it rains or, uh, you know, you plan a certain outfit and then it looks horrible on you. But I think maybe one area that we've all had a bad experience in is restaurants, right? Like there can be some really negative experiences. And as I thought deep into the recesses of my memory on like, I I asked myself like, what's the worst experience I've ever had in a restaurant? Because there's been some pretty bad ones. This memory came from the back of my brain to the front of my mind. And I started laughing last night. My, my wife was asleep. My son was asleep. And I'm sitting in the living room covering my mouth because I'm trying to not laugh so loud over the thought that this thing actually happened to me. So much so that I had to call my parents. I literally like text my mom in the middle of the night because th- I was with her when this happened. And I said, did this really happen to me? And she said, it absolutely did, Justin. So here you go. My worst negative experience at a restaurant. I will not name any names or locations, but just be careful. So I went to a restaurant and I ordered a simple meal. I was with my parents at the time. I think I was a teenager or late teen. I'm not sure. And so I get, re- I get this food and there's my entree with a side of fries and some ketchup. I'm sorry if you're squeamish, but this is really bad, okay? Okay. <laughs> So we're eating, just kind of like, just ignore some of the dirty details as I talk it out. Okay, so I'm eating, and as vividly as I can remember, I pick up a French fry. I pick up a French fry. I pick up a French fry, and I dip it in my ketchup. And I look, and I was like, what is that in my ketchup? And I see a little leg sticking up. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I had to know more. Why did I have to know more? Like, isn't a leg enough? Isn't that like, what, what, what if it was just a leg, would I be okay with it? So I get another more, uh, more uh, strong French fry <laughs> to, to sweep aside the ketchup. And there looking up at me is a sight I never wanted to see a medium-sized roach swimming in my ketchup. I freak out. I 
start, I have a very, a very uh, juvenile gag reflex, okay? Like even telling this story brings it right up to the surface, okay? And I, I was like, this is, this is absurd. I can't believe this. This is disgusting. And my parents are like, oh, we'll just send it back. And I was like, send it back? I want to burn this place down. <laughs> But they were loving their food, so they were like, we'll just send it back. So the, the waiter comes, <laughs> the waiter comes, and we're like, I'm so sorry. And like, my parents are like, it happens. I was like, it doesn't happen. There's deep problems in the establishment if this happens. And so they were like, there's a, there's a bug in his food, and so we are just wondering if we could, we could switch it out. Guys? <laughs> I promise you, the waiter brings it over because it was like, there was like the, the kitchen had like an open front, like it was a counter, and the, the waiter was so apologetic, I'm so sorry, brings it to the back, and there was a woman behind the counter, I saw him explain it to her, and she went, oh, she looked, picked it out, gave it back, and I, 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 I thank you, she said, no, I, I said, I'm not eating. And my parents were like, well, we'll just finish our food. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not eating. And then I, I promise you, as we're sitting there, we look across the restaurant and someone walks up to the, the counter with their water. And I see them look at their cup like this, hand it to the same woman. And she says, and takes it out, dumps the cup, fills it back up and gives it back to them. I can't, I can't. Okay, and at that point, my parents, they came to the light, and they said, get up right now. We're leaving. Okay, I'm deeply scarred as of this event. Needless to say, we never went back there again. Never looked at the restaurant again. Never thought of the restaurant again. Because that negative experience marked us so severely that we never went back there again. It makes sense to never go back there again, right? Because the hurt is too severe, the injustice is too great. But you know what wouldn't make sense? To never go to any restaurant again. It wouldn't make sense for me to let the hurt in one situation dictate my behavior in every other situation. It doesn't make sense for me to make every other opportunity pay the price for one wrong. And yet some of us, oh, now we're going straight into the sermon. Some of us are avoiding the possibility of a new relationship because of what happened in one isolated incident. We are giving up the chance for a new business opportunity because of one failed dream. We are avoiding the chance to believe again, to hope again, to love again, just because we've been wronged in one way or another. We're avoiding every restaurant because of one bad experience. And do you know who, who that hurts most? You and you alone. You are letting the injustice of the past, the pain of one moment, rob you of the potential that is right in front of you. And I, I want to preach straight to your heart because I know we've all been betrayed. I know we've all been wronged in one way or another, but we cannot allow past pain to steal the hope in this moment today. We cannot allow it. We cannot tolerate it. We cannot permit it in our own soul. 
And when we look at this story here, we've spent the whole series talking about Jesus and Judas, their friendship, their betrayal. But now we're at the part of the story where they're both gone. The whole series has been about two characters. And now Jesus has ascended. Judas has died. And who comes to the front of the story now? These 11 other dudes who were just as affected by the story. It's their story too. I actually probably should have called the series Jesus and Judas and Peter and James and John and Thomas and Matthew. And, and I should have named all of these names. Doesn't make for a good title though. And the hashtag would be way too long. <laughs> but it's all of their story. It's Peter's story. It's James' story. Because Peter got betrayed too. Even though Jesus got killed, Peter got betrayed. James got betrayed. And so now Jesus is ascended and Judas is dead. And these 11 hurt men come to the front of the picture here. And it's not just 11 men. The Bible says that up locked in this room is 120 people. So there's 120 people who got betrayed by Judas. They all trusted him. They all believed in him. They all put their eggs in one basket. They all let him hold the money. And all of these hurt people are locked in a room feeling the absence of Jesus and the betrayal of Judas. Do you know what the emotional roller coaster they've just been in? They watch Judas betray Jesus. That hurt is in and of itself enough to, to break a person. They watch the man they had put all of their trust in die on a cross. He lays in a grave for three days and they think it's over. And then he resurrects. He appears to them. All of their hope is restored. And then he leaves. And now they're looking at each other and they are feeling two major voids. The void of Jesus and the void of Judas. Because they haven't, they haven't moved past this betrayal. They're living with the void of Jesus and the void of Judas. There were 12 best friends and now there's 11. There were 12 on the team and now there's 11. There were 12 in the last group Instapic. 12 people tagged. Now there's only 11 people there. 12 people in the group texts. And now only 11. Have you ever suffered the pain of betrayal and then also felt the void afterward? And in our head we're like, nah, forget Judas. He hurt us. But you cannot deny that there is an absence. Let's talk about some of the most intimate relationships. Maybe you've been abandoned or walked out on. Even if that person was the absolute worst person you can imagine, even still, their absence, the void that is left in their wake, weighs upon you. And that's what these men are feeling. A business dream that broke and died and is gone. And even though you know, yeah, that didn't work, still the notion that there is something missing weighs upon you. And this void is what these men are living with. We spent a lot of time talking about betrayal, but today I want to address the void that it creates and how we move forward. So many of us are living with the void of a broken relationship. So many of us are living with the void of a broken dream. So many of us are living with the void of disappointment. And because it hurts so much, sometimes the void hurts more than the betrayal. Because the betrayal was a moment, but the void might last a decade. Oh, am I preaching or am I preaching today? 
The void might be something you've lived with for years over what happened in a moment. And sometimes the void is so hard to look into that we'll spend a lifetime avoiding the void. Walking around it. Looking the other way. Putting a nice rug over it. (laughs) Don't avoid the void. You've got to make a decision about what you're going to do with it today. And when I look at this story, these, these friends have this void. And Peter stands up and he says, all right, we got to find a new friend. We have to pick someone else. We have to fill this void. Jesus isn't here. Judas isn't here. We need to move forward from this. Can you imagine the emotions? Like, what do you mean, Peter? What do you mean move forward? What do you mean fill this void? How can we trust anyone after this? I don't even know if I can trust you, Peter. And truth be told, you probably shouldn't trust Peter. He's got a bad track record, but Jesus still uses him. How am I supposed to trust again? How am I supposed to believe again? How can I even make a step toward filling the void? Because to fill the void, I have to admit the void. And to admit the void, I have to look into pain. And I see three ideas here in this kind of... Uh, behind closed doors conversation between the disciples where they're all like, we got to do this. We got to find someone and pick someone. And the first idea, it's three simple ideas. And if you're taking notes, it's good stuff to write down. The first idea, to live again, you've got to love again. Oof. I hope you feel that in your soul. To live again, you've got to love again. Maybe I'm speaking to you specifically about your relationship, but I don't just mean romantically. I mean in all ways. You've got to open that heart again. Yes, you've been hurt. Yes, you've been wronged. But if you ever want to live again, you've got to love again. Because living a closed-hearted, defended, blocked-off life is really no life at all. And the only person that hurts is you. And the pain is perpetually stealing from you if you can't figure out how to love again. Look at the example of these 11 guys. Peter says, all right, we've got to bring someone else along. We have to love again in the area where we were just most hurt. You have to love again. Confront the void. Oh, I'm so ready to confront the void. Church, confront the void. Don't ignore it. Don't overlook it. Don't act like it isn't there. Because God won't move in your pretend life. This might be for church at home because Kissimmee location was was just kind of real silent on that one. God won't move in your pretend life. He's only going to move when you throw open the doors, say, come into this mess and make sense of it. Confront the void. You're never going to resolve anything you won't confront. You're never going to have breakthrough in anything you won't admit. Confront it. Admit to yourself and to your maker that I'm broken here. I'm bruised here. There's absence here. And there's a void here. Peter was fed up with the void. You know what I like about Peter? For everything he messed up. He's the dude that stands up and talks. And I I identify with that. (laughs) He'll get up and say something. He says the wrong thing a lot of times. But he'll get up and say something. If it weren't for Peter, 
Who knows what would have happened here? They all would have just kept sitting and praying and scratching their heads and I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Peter finally stands up and says, listen, I know we're all hurt. We have to do something about this. We can't live in this hurt. We can't camp in this hurt. We can't sit in this void. We've got to move forward. We've got to replace this pain with purpose. Peter was fed up with it. They're locked in this room with an empty chair where Judas was supposed to be. They don't know what to do next. Yes, they're waiting on God for an answer, but sometimes while you're waiting on God for an answer, you can fill that time doing what you know you need to do. Because we don't control the answer. We don't control the timeline. But while God's working on your answer, on your answer, why don't you work on what you can do? Because sometimes we wait for the answer to take any action ourselves. Because we want 100% clarity before we take the first step. But if a void is right in front of your face, let me give you a little life hack here. Deal with that. If you've got this emanating pain that the moment we even mention this issue, your eyes well up and tears are streaming down your mask, that, that, that you're feeling that emotion that your heart is pounding right now, and you're wondering, what's my first step? It's right there. It's right in front of your face. Emotions are a red flag to an area we need to address. And if you feel this today and you're, you're trying to push it down, why not address the empty chair in the room? Why not be Peter and stand up and say, I know we're praying. I know we're waiting. I know we don't know what to do, but I see something that can be addressed right here and right now. Let's confront the void. He says, yes, we've been betrayed, but we can't live like this. Yes, we've been hurt, but we can't stay like this. Because just because you've been betrayed doesn't mean that becomes your identity. Your worst betrayal should not be your most defining moment. Oh, I know someone feels this today. Your worst pain should not be the name tag that you wear on your life. If you choose to let it, it will become that. Your biggest disappointment should not be the defining factor of your life. But the only way that it won't is if you, like Peter, stand up and say, we got to do something about this right here and right now. We need that kind of fire within us. To live again, you've got to love again. You know how hard it is to love again? Whoo! I just saw someone look at me and say, it's tough but you're not loving again for others you're loving again for you because when you figure out how to release that powerful force that is love the bible says god is love as it comes up from within it cleans out the pipes the rust the broken areas and as it comes up from within you and flows out from you there's a healing virtue that occurs and in loving you are made whole in loving you are healed in loving and giving your life starts to make a whole lot more sense you've got to love again love life love people Love yourself, love your opportunities, love every moment. Because if you don't figure out how to release that force, then you're gonna remain closed. So to live again, you've got to love again. The next point, this one hurts. To trust again, you've got to risk again. 
<laughs> I know, I know. I, I got her holding onto the pew today. <laughs> to trust again, you've got to risk again. You know the key words in this sentence? Again. Because let's, let's be honest, last time you, when you got your trust broken, last time when you chose to trust, you risked it. Even though you were so in love or the business opportunity looked so good or your plan looked so sure, there was still a risk factor involved. You took the risk with faith. You stepped out. You put yourself out there. And yes, your trust got broken. But there will never be a 100% sure bet with anything temporal in this life. So if you're ever going to move forward, you will be moving forward in risk. And when we get hurt, it causes us to believe I'm never doing anything again unless I'm sure. But the problem is you ain't never going to be sure with anything except Jesus himself. And so if you're never going to be sure, you're never going to end up doing anything again. <laughs> to trust again, you've got to risk again. And yes, you're going to be a little bit wiser this time. And yes, you're going to learn to see some red flags early this time. And yes, you're not going to let the smooth taste fool you this time. But you at some point are going to have to risk. You're going to have to push those chips into the center of the table. You're going to have to say, all right, here we go again. And you're like, Pastor Justin, what if I get hurt again? That's a very real possibility. But let me tell you what. The possibility of being hurt the possibility of things going wrong again, the possibility of missteps or mistakes, those are possibilities. But the certainty of stagnation, the certainty of giving up, the certainty of hopelessness will steal so much more from you. Yes, you might get hurt, but if you don't, you will certainly never move past here. You're like, that doesn't sound very positive. <laughs> I know, that's life. But just like Jesus, it might be one hurt after the other, suffering after suffering, but at least I'm going in the right direction. And so I might be pressed, but I'm not crushed. I might be bruised, but I'm not broken. I might be struck down, but I'm not destroyed. And I'm going to keep going until I reach the finish line of my life. And you better believe when I reach that finish line, I'm not going to look cute. I'm not going to sound cute. I'm not going to look good. I'm going to be sweaty, bruised, but I'm not going to be broken. And I'm going to say I made it to the mark of Christ Jesus. Everything I did, I kept moving forward. I didn't stop. I didn't give up. So you're going to have to risk again. Hey, we're believers. Can I remind you of this? What do believers do? We trust, we believe. You're like, well, I can't believe it till I see it. You're a believer. <laughs> the, the whole foundation of this premise is that faith is something that changes the atmosphere. I don't let the atmosphere form my faith. I let my faith form the atmosphere. So yes, there's risk. 
But there was risk when Peter put his foot on the water and look what happened. There was risk when the woman touched the robe of Jesus' garment, which is why I wore a bathrobe today. There was risk when she touched his robe and look what happened. There was risk when Jesus picked a fisherman, but look what happened. There was risk when a, a young virgin said to the angel, be it unto me according to thy word, but look what happened. There was risk when Esther the queen walked into the throne room and said, save my people, but look what happened. There was risk when Noah built a boat when they'd never seen rain, but look what happened. There was risk when you walked into this room today, but look what's happening today. Risk is the pathway to your purpose. And if you're scared of that path, you'll never see fulfillment. Enjoy the taste of risk. Love the smell of risk. Because as believers, risk is our opportunity to step out in faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Woo, church, I feel this. All right, so one more thought here. To live again, you've got to love again. To trust again, you've got to risk again. And to start moving forward, stop looking backward. Mm, mm, mm. You know what these guys are not talking about anymore? Judas. They're done. And this might not sound very churchy or pastoral, but here's my question to you. Is you finished and is you done? <laughs> How long are we going to keep talking about it? How long are we going to keep talking about the same thing? How long are you going to live in the same cycle? I'm not minimizing what happened to you. I'm not trying to trivialize it. But that moment has wreaked havoc in your decades. How much more time does that person get from you? How much more of your life does that situation get from you? How many more tears does that broken dream earn from you? Because Jesus purchased your life with a price and you are giving it all to this thing that didn't pay a cent, a cent for it. How much more time does it get? You tell me. Five more minutes? Six more years? How much more time? does it get? You've got to stop looking backward so you can start looking forward because where you look is where you go. And if you look back there, you're going back there. So is you finished or is you done? It's time. Are you done? Because I'm done. I'm finished looking backward. I can't do it anymore. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. And these men had to say, enough about Judas. Let's make a choice today. So they narrow it down to two men, Justice and Matthias. And here's what I love. Oh, here's some good news. These men were there the whole time. The answer to the void was there the whole time. The new opportunity was there the whole time. The provision was there before the betrayal, alongside the betrayal, next to the betrayal, after the betrayal. When you open your eyes, you'll realize God has surrounded your life with opportunity to pick you up and out of your pain and your purpose. 
They did not have to hold a job interview. They didn't have to post it on Facebook. They didn't have to open the window and say, anyone out there want to be an apostle? They just said, let's look at what we've got. Let's look, oh, let's look at what's been here the whole time. Let's look at what I have had. Let's look at the constants. Let's look at the things that have been there the whole time. Someone said to me this week that they have suffered a deep pain of divorce. And when they look back on their life, that pain so deeply grips them, but they said, Today, for the first time, I looked back and I realized the kind of family and friends that God gave me. The love that I had when I was obsessed over the love that I lost. I look at the love that I had and it sustained me and I'm grateful today because of what was there. What has been in your life this whole time that you have overlooked? Because that can help you start to look forward. They look at the men that have been there the whole time and they said, hey, we've got Justice, we've got Matthias. These are great, amazing options. And then they cast lots. They flip a coin. Crazy, right? Pastor Anthony realizes how crazy this sounds. We flip a coin to take one of the biggest risks of our life. We flip a coin. Before I get into the coin toss, let me tell you what they did all up into this. They prayed, they waited, they sought, they, they stayed. They did everything Jesus told them to do. They obeyed. I can't think of another word that rhymes with that, but I said them all. They, they did everything they knew to do, and then they took action. And in this coin toss, it's a risk. In this coin toss, they say, all right, I'm stepping out. I'm applying to the job. I'm going back to school. I'm going on that date with that godly person from church, and I'm going strictly on a date, nothing else, but I'm going on that date. I'm taking that step. We're going back to the doctor. We're gonna take, start that health journey. We're gonna begin getting out of debt. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna start saving a, a dollar a week. I don't care what it is, I'm taking action. And when they toss that coin, and as it goes up and flips into the air, I believe all of heaven rushes in to fill that moment with purpose. I don't think Justice or Matthias, one was better than the other. You know when you flip a coin? when both options are equal. They're set up for success. It doesn't matter which way you go as long as you go because when you're moving in the right direction, it's all God's purpose. It's all God's blessing. As Pastor Jeff says, the will of God is in the ways of God. So just go his way and it's all going to be according to his will. And then when they pick Matthias, they say, all right, it's you. And he's like, okay, cool, let's do this. And I'm sure they're like, can we trust him? You have to, you've got to risk again. And what I love is Justice, the other guy, he's like, cool, it's not me, but I'm gonna still be here. I'm gonna still do what I do, even though I don't get the spotlight. <laughs> I love that. But these men open that door and the book of Acts says, these men turned the world upside down. These 12 men went out and turned the world upside down. Not 11, 12, not broken men, trusting men. Not backward-facing men, forward-facing men. Not men marked by the pain of betrayal, men healed by the power of love. When you make the decision to confront the void, to love again, to trust again, to look forward, you open the door on that closed room of your pain and you step out into the open world of your purpose. And I believe that when people take that step, they begin to change the world. Church, if you believe it today, say amen. 
You can spend the rest of your life stuck in the void of what happened to you, who walked out on you, what dream died in front of you, or you can make a decision today to prioritize your purpose above your pain. And what's amazing here is that Jesus did exactly for these, did that exactly for these men. He took on the pain, but he held on because of his purpose. He did it for Peter. He did it for John. And now they are doing it for others. Jesus endured betrayal to show them love, and now they're enduring betrayal to show love for others. Jesus endured suffering to bring strength to you. Now you can endure suffering to bring strength to others. Jesus endured difficulty to bring light to you, so now you can endure your difficulty to bring light to others. There's purpose on the other side of the pain, and as we conclude this series, it's my prayer and hope that City of Life Church would get up and out out of the pain of betrayal and walk into purpose because there are people outside these doors who need the message, who need the hope of Jesus. And there's so much more ahead of you. Can I say it one more time? There's so much more ahead of you. So let's stop looking backward, start looking forward and keep the right heart even when you've been wronged. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.